Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network Podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Welcome, everybody, to the Nurse Leader Network Podcast. Today, we were lucky enough to have Michelle Rhodes on, again, of Michelle Rhodes Media and author of six best-selling books. Today, Michelle brings to us a little bit about what her company does around nurse entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship. Welcome, Michelle. Good afternoon, Chris. Thanks for having me. I am so excited that we have you on. Now, Michelle, tell me about what a nurse entrepreneur and a nurse entrepreneur is. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, this is one of my few passions. I've drilled it down to four, but this is number two and three of them. And so an entrepreneur, as we know, they work for themselves. They begin to set up processes and and procedures and get paid. Those three things all for the sake of bettering their business. Uh, And back in 2016, I had gotten to the point where I felt pretty competent in my area of work. I was a population health care manager at the time. And I just had an epiphany that day where I was asked to come help with a pilot program. And could you look at this Excel spreadsheet? And on the Excel spreadsheet was like a hundred claims that had expenditures over a million dollars. And my task was to go through these claims and look and see what happened. Was there something that we missed? Should the person have gone to certain programs or got maybe a cheaper drug, so forth and so on? I mean, it was a really big task and I'm able to comb through. And anyway, through the course of that project, I just had an epiphany that, you know what, I could I could consult myself out. I'm at the point where I'm really good at this. I love it. You know, it's my, my joy. And I'm saving my employer lots of money. Why not? you know, consult yourself out, Michelle. So that was the beginning of me becoming an entrepreneur. So I'll write a couple right along with that, then right along that same time in my life. And that's why I just felt like it was what they call serendipity or serendipitous. My husband was retiring from the military and as part of his transition plan, he'd been in the Air Force 22 years. So he had to decide, you know, do I want to continue to do public health or do I want to do something else? And he chose this entrepreneurship path. He said, I don't want to do that anymore. I want something different. And along that same time, they said, hey, we have this program you can go into is Veterans Florida, so forth and so on. And you can bring your wife if you like. It's 12 classes and so forth. So my antenna went up. (laughs) 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 Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, I want to go because it was free. And fast forward, I graduated from the program and that's when my entrepreneurship light bulb came on. I understood business, even though I'd already been in business and my background was managed care and my um, my master's is in healthcare administration. So I, you know, it just was a thing for me. So I was able to couple all of that and with entrepreneurship and the course that I, course of the way that I was feeling at that time, like I wanted to open my own business and, you know, that's, that's what happened. <laughs> so I jumped into entrepreneurship and at the time I was helping him start a staffing company and about six months in, I was like, I like this. You know, I was helping him with the marketing, but I really wanted more. Like I felt almost like I had abandoned nursing or something. Like I'm not even nursing, you know. And what about my nursing counterparts who want to learn the same information? 
I kind of had like a guilt feeling going on. I don't even know what that was about, but <laughs> I listened to my heart. I was like, okay, so maybe I should help, you know, those nurses who are saying, Hey, I want to know about businesses. Well, Michelle, can you tell me, can you teach me? And so I began to construct my own programs. Like, okay, well, this is one-on-one and just, you know, <laughs> started off as a 20 page ebook, Chris. I just developed a little ebook saying, Hey, go and get your disc, your business, this, and do this. And the, just really a basic startup kit. Well, I sold so many of them, like for 20 bucks. I was like, okay, what's next? <laughs> oh, how cool. Yeah. And so that developed into my, our enterprise books. I took this, you know, the one-on-one, but I moved it into a really, a real book and got it on Amazon. Take your nursing knowledge, excuse me, and emerge with an entrepreneurial passion in 90 days. So it was a step-by-step guide to 90 days startup for nurses. So I tell you all of that because it was really a process. It wasn't anything that just happened overnight, but I really, you know, dove into it and I decided to help others along the way and develop some programs to help nurses really see, hey, you know, what is it that I truly love? Am I walking in my passion and my purpose? And can I do this for money? And so that opened up nurse entrepreneurship um, guide as me becoming a coach. Now that so many, you know, now we're a hundred nurses in, I've helped start businesses, become paid public speakers or become authors as well. So it's been a great experience. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, it totally does. And I I love how you're empowering nurses to take charge of their practice. So you're taking their loves and their passions and their expertise and you're bottling it up so that it could benefit others. And so I think um, that's just really honorable. Um, Speaking of honorable, please tell your husband that the Nurse Leader Network thanks him for his years of service. (laughs) So so jumping back into um, nurse entrepreneurship, what is entrepreneurship? I'm hearing that term a lot. And so I'm curious to see what it is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love telling this story. So it piggybacks off of that one because... Like I said, I started that 2016, got the ball rolling and so forth and so on. So now that one runs like a well-oiled machine and I love it. And I still get lots of clients today. Well, of course, during the course of that, I noticed that there are some nurses who truly love, not entrepreneurship, I should say. They love (laughs) their job. (laughs) They, you know, are highly clinical, which is not me. I was more on the, you know, math and business side. But of course, we need those nurses as well. But I I began to get feedback and say, hey, Michelle, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I love my job. I love what I do. I love my patients. And so, you know, that keeps us where we are. And that's great. So I started to think, hmm, okay, well, that's fine. And I definitely am there to support you if you ever need anything or if you change your mind, let me know that I used to say that. Well, again, me noticing trends. So as you can see, this is how my brain works. Like I'll take something that I like and then I'll see what's going on in the, the culture, I guess, uh, what's trending and seeing how I can merge the two and help others. That's just my, my MO, right? So I see that the trend is innovation, so you hear innovation, this innovation that we're doing healthcare innovation. And some nurses seem to be highly innovative to me. And this is what me, this is me sitting back looking at things. So there are some highly innovative nurses that are, you know, in the hospitals and designing new things and so forth. Uh, but I, I also noticed to me the great divide, like that was the missing piece. Like, what about the nurses who love their job? They don't want to be an entrepreneur, but they also want to be an innovator, but don't know how 
who's helping that transition? So as you can see, it's the same thing. Like who, I helped nurses on one side. I want to help nurses on the other side get to that end piece. And so I said, well, to me, really, if you, how do you learn how to be an innovator if no one's taught you how to think innovatively? How do you learn how to discover and create something where you all you know is what's inside of your little box and your sandbox, right? So to me, and it's just this is the way I think again, I felt like entrepreneurship was that middle middle piece. Like how could I help nurses on that side of nursing? Hey, I want to help my employer bring better solutions to the workplace as an entrepreneur so that it can maybe move into innovation if it worked or if it was successful. And so it's just really, it was, I designed, and I, as you see, <laughs> this is my thing too, I'll design something and create, write a book about it because they, there's a missing piece here. So now I designed this program to say, hey, if this is what you love, if this is you, you're the nurse that wants to be at the bedside, but you also need some help learning about budgets or learning why the certain thing costs a certain way or why the strategic plan says we're moving in this route. How can we help our employer meet that goal and get to the innovation of it? So that's where this program came to be, where I helped, you know, helps help, hope to help, because I don't think anyone's taken me up. I've spoken on it at two conferences um, and got a lot of in uh, inquiries, I guess you'd say. And a lot of them are still um, in contact with me and want me to come speak on it some more. So I think it's just budding because I wrote this program in the fall of last year. Uh, but yeah, after speaking at, at two conferences, Florida Nurses um, Association and a managed care conference in Las Vegas last fall, I think it will, you know, get to where it needs to be. If I, And I hope that answered your question. Sometimes I can be long-winded, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no, that answered it. I mean, I, I, I'm i hearing about this entrepreneurship and really, you know, supporting folks. What do you think we're losing as healthcare organizations or academic healthcare, you know, organizations um, by not focusing on our entrepreneurs? Wow. Just look at all that talent there. Like, for one, those nurses, we'll just say nurses right now, are going to naturally progress towards what they love. So it's going to happen. Is Are we going to help them? And like we normally do help nurses get to where they want to be. And we talked about that at the last segment, get to where they need to be, because this is truly what they were meant to do. Um, so really embracing all of their gifts, talents, and cultivating that for the betterment of the organization. Or are we going to stick to our organizations, this, 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 and this, and miss all of it, all of that talent. So yes, it does come to comes. It boils down to another level of um, assessment when you're working with your employees. It's not just going back to school, which is great, but you might have some creatives like me. Like I figure, I feel like I'm a highly creative person. Um, may not be the highest <laughs> degree wise, but I definitely can take something and make something out of it that wasn't there before. And I know that about myself. So are you doing that with your employees? Are you really seeing how they work at their peak and then bringing that into the organization? And from there, putting them strategically in places where they might be able to cultivate better outcomes for the patient because they're able to do that using that skill. Absolutely. Because it's so important, what are some ways you think that nurse leaders can foster um, nurse entrepreneurship in the practice setting? 
this is a process in itself as well. So, you know, <laughs> it's a part of, of what I teach, but it does this one, you know, as, a, as different as opposed to my other program where I told you with wellness is top down, this is more so a bottom up type of a program where the person has to really clearly know what they are strong in doing and knowing themselves. They, they start with like a, almost a SWOT analysis. You can do any sort of assessment really, but knowing where they are. And then from that, building upon it. So not just leaving it, okay, this is what you love and this is your strength. Okay, now what's the next step? So we always move to the next step. So if I'm able to be strong in creating programs, I just use myself for an example, then, okay, what do we, what areas do we need better programming in? Where can we put Michelle that she can maybe look and find some things some solutions and create programs to help those solutions improve? So now putting the employee in that particular position. And from there, of course, we love our outcomes. We love to see what's the ROI or what's the return or what was, you know, the money we saved or lost, being able to pull that data to make better, you know, make it better to kind of refine that program. So we go from there. We, it's always the next step. But having the culture, the organization to back the person or back the manager, if they want to do this. To, to have the openness to do that. And that's really the problem on this side of the programming is most times we just don't have this type of a culture set up where people can come and implement their ideas and, and try it and be okay with failure. So that's what an entrepreneur is to, to go back a little bit is that they bring solutions to the employer, almost like the entrepreneur is doing on the outside, but they're using their own money. So they are, you know, really taking entrepreneurial principles, but using them within their employees' realm, having the freedom to implement new solutions and refine them if, you know, based on the results of those solutions, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And I've I've seen it in different ways. So, you know, that show Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. I have seen where organizations take their nurses and they partner them. So the frontline nurses are partnered with a a leader, a membership team of the management. And um, together they go through the steps of innovation and then they pitch their ideas or solutions to executive or senior level managers. And then there's an agreement at that level that they're going to support the top, you know, contender, if you will, of the shark tank. And so I've seen that be one way in which they've been able, organizations have been able to really support together, be in alignment with um, nursing and entrepreneurship. And I read an article this morning, actually, and it talked about utilizing your shared governance. So the majority or many um, healthcare systems utilize some method of shared governance. And so really redesigning maybe your shared governance um, that deals with evidence-based and research redesigning it to also incorporate innovation and, you know, training those folks to understand what that is and, you know, be on the lookout for things that they're learning and research and evidence-based, but then taking it a step further and looking at what innovative solutions they can come up with based on what they're finding or not. And so um, those are some ways that I've seen some leader supporting 
nursing entrepreneurship, even though it really isn't. I think they don't realize that's what they're doing, but that's exactly what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah. So it's really budding because yes, you do have the shared governance there, which is very similar because you're looking at those, like you said earlier, looking at data, you're looking at what's going on and then able to implement solutions together where some, you know, and it all depends on the culture. So that's a piece of it. But some organizations will have just one person that's the designated entrepreneur and their job is to look at maybe data across certain sections of the hospital or organization to say, this is where we've fallen short and finding solutions to, you know, help beat outcomes and better the outcomes that way as well. So I've seen that structure as well, where one person is the entrepreneur and they are digging and looking and creating. So it's a great way for a creative to get in there and, and find solutions as well. So yeah, we can do it together. Or we can do it um, separate. Either way, it's the same. Basically, having a new set of eyes to look at, you know, the the long term outcomes of this particular thing. If we implemented, what would that look like? And yeah, being able to bring the data to the to the CEO. And the thing is that it has to be okay for failure. That I will tell you, this is the biggest barrier. Is because a lot of times these progr- these projects are not approved because, of course, oh, if we lose money, then they're just you know cut it off. Where a true entrepreneurship, there's risk and reward, and we are okay with either for the betterment of the program. Because even if we do fail once, most times we might even fail twice, it will get to where it needs to be. And the organization has to be okay with that. I would say that's one of the biggest barriers to entrepreneurship, because it really is just like running a business where (laughs) we're trying and we're bettering, but sometimes we fail and sometimes we, we don't. Yeah. And, you know, I like to even go into the terminology that we use. So we say it's a failure, but are we really failing or are we learning something new? Right. So are we really is it really a failure or did we just learn that this is absolutely not the way that we want to do something? And, you know, that in itself is invaluable. So I I like the idea of having a designated position. So like when you said that, I was thinking in my mind, oh, what would a position description or job description look like (laughs) for that? Because, you know, could you imagine? where healthcare would go if we put the same emphasis on nursing entrepreneurship as we do on patient experience or on quality. Oh like my if goodness. we had that, can you imagine the transformation that would occur in healthcare if, if we did that as nurse leaders? It is amazing. And I, again, this why this is why I love it so, because it's untapped, I believe. You know what? I'm going to tell you something very funny, Chris. Oh my goodness. I have to find the book, matter of fact. Um, ugh, if I can't find it or if it doesn't come to my brain, I will definitely email it to you so you can share it with your listeners. But I was under the impression that, oh, Michelle, no one else is doing this and you got to create a program and help. And so I was doing my research, of course. But during the course of me gathering information to build this program, I found a book <laughs> and I think it was published by the ANA, but it was back in the 80s, Chris. This blew me away. Like it still blows me away to even talk about it. And this particular nurse researcher had done all of this very same work years ago, years ago. I want to say 1980. And there's a book about it. I bought the book and I was like blown away. Like this lady is reading my mind. We need entrepreneurs and the nurse can do this and she can help solve or he or she can help solve this. And it just blew me away that this book was written so long ago and it had not even progressed in what, 20, how many years? I don't know all this time and all her research has just been sitting there. So it really hurt me to feel that, but I was blown away at the same time that it was still so relevant 
So that tells you how slow healthcare moves. But so I wasn't the first one to really think this way, uh, different ways that we can use nurses as entrepreneurs. So it's it's a thing. And I just don't think that it's being embraced enough. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, holy smokes. Okay, I was born in the 80s. And um, I'm, a, I'm approaching 40 now. So um, so that's almost 40 years ago that this this super relevant information was written. And yeah, it blows my mind too. You know, they say it takes anywhere from 12 to 20 years for research to be implemented into practice. And I think we're a little bit delayed on this one. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, um, I don't think it was truly embraced. You know, like, you know, whatever those barriers are from money, from uh, culture, from the failure piece, but it's this exact same conversation that we're having was being had in the 80s. And so it's about time that we do get it get it where it needs to be. I, I'm a firm believer in that. Yeah. If we had put back 40 years ago, the emphasis on nursing entrepreneurship, our quality problems and our patient experience problems wouldn't be problems. Because I think what happens is we we say we got to focus on quality. We have to get more efficient. We have to get more standard. We have to do all these things. And yes, that is true. But if we're constantly becoming efficient, we'll never jump that transformational chasm. And we never get into really looking at different ways to do things in a way that, you know, is his transformational versus just incrementally getting better. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. That's it right there, Chris, that you just beautifully summarized. it. <laughs> Absolutely. Because, you know, you do have to have quality on your team if you're going to be the entrepreneur. And this is just the, the way that I've studied it, where it is a one person. And this is how, when I consult, when I plan to consult with hospitals, it, it is this way because it does take designation, a designated person that's truly married to this and loves it. Uh, so I do follow that model. Uh, but I do say that because we haven't done that, this has just been sitting kind of on the back burner. But if we were able to have an um, entrepreneurship person and they meet, you know, we have these meetings anyway, we have the shared governance, we have the interprofessional team meetings and all of that. They are just a, per, a team a player on those those boards or those committees that can go back and construct specific programs as opposed to you know, one nurse doing this, one nurse doing that. This person takes all of that data and constructs a bigger program, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. You know, I, I think this conversation might have triggered um, some kind of feelings in some of the listeners when we talked about in entrepreneurship. And so, you know, for those that are like, wait a minute, I've been doing this for a while. I feel really confident or maybe not really, maybe very confident. Um, in my skill set. And I know that there's a gap out there. Um, and I'd love to, you know, really explore going beyond what I'm doing today. What are some steps you might suggest for somebody who's thinking, you know, they're, I'm working this nine to five, I love it. And I know I could be doing more. Start surveying, start researching, start pulling your data. We all know that's where it begins. So before we take any step, before you spend any money, research your 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 question, <laughs> which, you know, you know all about, look into the data, see who else has done it, see what else is out there uh, as much as you can, and even survey the end customer that you really want to help if you can, if you can get to those people, or if you can't get to the specific customer, what organizations are tackling this, or because you want to get enough information, again, from a high level where you can 
construct just like what I just said, you can construct your own program or your own business based on the needs because you're there to meet a need. Um, but I've seen so many people who want to do some specific thing and they say, this is what I'm going to do to change the world. Well, of course, we're always going to have competition, but they may not have clearly defined their competition. They may not have clearly defined how they're going to get paid. That's always really one of the top five questions. Who's going to pay you for this? I always ask my clients that question because someone asked me that question years ago when I first got started. I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and so <laughs> like, people are just going to give me the money. That's all. That's my plan. <laughs> exactly. But we have to know specifically how we're going to get them to that, that, that point where we're paid. So, or otherwise it's just a hobby. Um, and it's just, it, it is, it amazes people who want to do certain things. They're not sure how to get paid for it. Or even the organization, like, <laughs> I'll just say really quickly, um, a lot of times we have CMS that may have certain programs already set up. Um, for example, such as this transition, they have like a transition program where maybe nurses who are great in case management can help keep those patients out of the hospital for 30 days. There's a program out there where we'll pay, you know, nurses who want to do this. Now that I believe there's some criteria around that, of course. But my point is that sometimes we don't even know that CMS themselves have these initiatives as well, because it's a big thing that we are pushing or um, that certain employers will have certain uh, not employers, excuse me, payer sources such as insurances that might have a certain program, you know, in their pot of money that they're willing to pay a nurse to execute, if that makes sense. So there there's a lot out here and that's where the research comes in. You really got to dig and see what's out there that matches not only what you love to do, but that end customer and how you're going to get to them and to get paid for it. I agree with you. And, you know, I've read in um, a book called Will It Fly by Pat Flynn. He says that if you're doing that research and you find that you have competitors, you want to give yourself a pat on the back because that means there's a market for it. <laughs> so when you when you want to get afraid is when there's no competitors, because then is there really a gap? that you can help serve. So he said, you really want to make sure that there's a market already by having somebody else already serving the community you're interested in serving. It's just you serving it in a different way. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Because we all have our own background and experience. And so you bring your certain, you know, I won't say flavor to it anyway, just because it's you and no one else can do what you do, how you do it. Yeah, absolutely. You just hit the nail on the head. This is great. I, I'm really enjoying the conversation. We've been talking a lot about practice. So I'm really interested, you know, on the academic side, what are some ways do you think the academic leaders can support entrepreneurship and intrapreneurship in the academic setting? Ah, oh, I love this question. You know, this is my fourth love. I told you I have four. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm trying to get it to one, but I'll Every time I try to do that, someone calls on one of them and it brings it back again. <laughs> so, yeah, this has been um, a new baby as well, because I believe academia is seeing that we do live, you know, again, culture dictates a lot of what's going on in, in society and you want your nurses to be ready. So we live in a society where, you know, many sectors, not just nursing, are learning about entrepreneurship and this gig economy, I think, stimulated all of that where, hey, the Internet is out there and you can learn how to do certain things. And now people will pay you when you are an expert, quote unquote, for it. So long story short is 
I'm noticing that schools of nursing are starting to see that. Um, now, there are a lot that aren't, you know, the tri-traditional business has no place in nursing type of thinking, but I do, I will say, I think it will, that thinking will be surpassed very soon. Um, I've been in great relationship with Florida State University, where it just, the whole university as a part of their strategic plan is entrepreneurship across the board for every um, program. So, that includes nursing, where we're slowly integrating. Just right now, I've just done some guest speaking there to teach you know, the graduating nurses about how they are perceived in not just the workplace, but your branding as a nurse. You walk into the workplace with a brand from day one. The day you get your license, actually, you created a brand, whether you know it or not. So these are things we just don't think about because we're still thinking about what's inside of the box, the traditional, you know, this is nursing. But you also need to know that you walk into, as soon as you pass your NCLEX, you are now a business owner. So now it's up to you how you're going to, what are you going to do with that? You can, yes, of course, work for someone else and we need you. So I don't want that because I always get that part. Like you're pulling nurses away from the bedside. No, I think we can use them either way. And they can be excellent nurses, even at the bedside with an entrepreneurial mindset, because we know healthcare is a business and you want your nurses to be mindful of the spend expenditures on your floor. I know you do when you look at your budget. OK, why are we spending so much money in this area? Why is this such a problem? Why is this going on in this particular area? So you want nurses to have a mindset of, oh, my goodness, this isn't you know frugal. This isn't um, this is waste. Uh, this is not in line with my strategic or my company's strategic goal, where if you were an entrepreneur, it would be your business plan. And so I say, I teach them, it's the tr strategic plan when you're now inside of an organization, but you still want to know what that looks like. You want to help your organization meet those goals. And what does that look like? So it mirrors each other inside or outside of the hospital, whether you know it or not. And the fact that we're not teaching nurses that is costing healthcare a lot of money. And they're not empowering the nurses to their fullest potential. It's not all just academia. We have to realize that healthcare is a business and we play a big part of that. I'm so passionate about this, as you can tell. My voice is, I feel like I just changed and started talking from the mountaintop, but it is so <laughs> vital. And <laughs> no, it is just like, wow, we're spending so much money. And again, this has to do with my insurance background. So, being able to look at those claims, I told you a million dollar claims. And a lot of you, if you're in the hospital, you know, you have claims that are not paid. I mean, I, I, I could just go on and on about this, Chris. <laughs> you know, I want to just say amen, because you're absolutely right. We, you know, even the hospitals that are not for profit, they, they, they take that money and they reinvest it back into their hospital. So they're not, there's no business on earth that's truly not for profit in a sense that we have to be profitable or we can't pay salaries. Right. And so mm -hmm. I think, you know, one thing that I've said for years in, in new employee orientation is that, you know, I, I kind of bring it up to the, to the nurses that are coming on, ab you know, about costs and savings. And I bring up something that's really common that you'll see common in nursing, which is, you know, we get our alcohol, little white pads and we scribble on them. Right. So if I don't have a piece of paper or my hand or whatever glove to write my vital signs on really quickly, I'm going to pull one of my little alcohol swab pads and write a vital signs on there or write whatever you might use them mm -hmm. as a little mm -hmm. note. And so, you know, I remind them how many nurses we have in, in the organization. 
And let's multiply that by like, let's say we do that a couple times a day, what that cost is, and then translate that cost into how much is it, how much are we charging our patients just because we're utilizing little alcohol pads to write the vitals. And you see the light bulbs go on and these people like, wow, that I've never considered that, right? But it's just a fact of the matter. If we want to decrease healthcare costs, nursing has a big, big, big contribution to that. And if we don't understand that or realize our importance in that, I mean, there's, it's not, we're never going to be able to decrease costs. So I think now I'm also screaming from the mountaintops with you in that, you know, this is, you know, if we want to be the, the solution, we need to fix our own internal problem, which is recognizing that healthcare is a business, regardless of where you sit on that healthcare spectrum. Absolutely. Absolutely. I could shake your hand virtually right now. So. <laughs> I love it. it. Yes, absolutely. It is definitely a thing. And again, I think we've just, you know, put that thing inside of a a, a square peg or inside of the sandbox and say, hey, they deal with this, we deal with that. But really, we all deal with it. And so, yes, we can start with, you know, small things like that. And it definitely adds up, right? We saw that. When you do the math, I, I know it does. I don't know the numbers, but I'm sure it does. But just think about now, in every healthcare facility across the nation dealing with that. And that leads to that, that big healthcare cost. And then the percentage of that, that is uh, maybe Medicare patients, which means now it's coming from, you know, our very own pockets really. So it just, it is magnified when you really don't address it. Yeah, absolutely. I know that, that your business works um, with schools of nursing. You mentioned Florida state, um, but tell me a little bit about your work in designing curriculum for nursing entrepreneurship. Yes, absolutely. I love it. So again, it, it, you know, as you know, every school of nursing is different. And so this is, again, a budding program of mine. But uh, the fact that that particular school does have the initiative and it's actually part of their, their plan is to say, hey, we want to incorporate this across the board. So, you know, so again, as, as we've said before, everything starts with the culture of, of the organization. So it has to be from the top down and from, you know, the leadership to say, this is what we're going to tackle. So if that school of nursing is really wanting to either be cutting edge, they want maybe more students, they maybe want to expand their programs, then that's where I come into play and say, hey, have you considered the business of healthcare? And um, so based on the school yeah, and their, in their goals, I can help them, you know, address that piece of nursing where they need to know the business side and what this looks like. And if they want to start slowly, because this is the, the path that we're going to take is to, hey, even before you get into the nursing program, if there's a track for business, uh, this is what we'll be creating. This is what that will look like. And so we start actually pre before uh, pre-nursing and then kind of getting the mindset ready, because, again, it all it all has to do with the mindset so that when they get into the program, they're ready to move forward with you know, deeper finance um, classes or entrepreneurship classes for sure, uh, because they want that particular track. So I hope that uh, I hope that answer your question. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I think we could even take it one step further, right? And not even think about nursing, but look at how we introduce this into high schools. I was, you know, I mentioned earlier about um, Shark Tank, but I actually was watching the actual show Shark Tank um, like a week ago. And I saw on there that there was a 19-year-old kid, um, mm. I call him a kid because he's the same age as my daughter, and <laughs> he 
um, already owned a patent for his invention at 19. And he discovered his invention in a high school class um, about entrepreneurship. And so I was floored. First of all, I was like, wait a minute, my 19 year old still has problems cooking breakfast and this person now has a patent. Um, <laughs> and so I kind of joked around with her and she just gave me the look, you know, but but really, I mean, why are we not fostering this even in yeah. at that age, right, across every industry? And so, you know, it's just food for thought in terms of what, what we're doing with our knowledge and at what point are we instilling it in our next generation? Oh, I love that. Don't make me get a fifth uh, baby, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you're absolutely right. I mean, I have a 16 year old, so I can relate in his mind. It's so different now. And I don't, I don't want to take it from our topic of the day, but the culture is shifting. Kids are wondering, do they need college? Can I just start a business? Can I develop? You know, I've seen entrepreneurs at 10 years old on, you know, the news. Oh, yeah, me too. It's just like amazing now. It's much different. So what do you do? Yes. What do you do to foster that where certain, you know, children have just, you know, an inkling, a connection to that world. And so how do we, you know, again, it's just a wonderful thing. So, yeah. So even a little earlier would be even greater because now you can help that person get on track and love what they do much earlier, as opposed to getting to college, not figuring out what they want or getting on a track. Oh, this isn't what I want. Spending lots of money and the college debt. And all, there you go. Now snowball goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, listen, Michelle, this has been an incredible episode. I've had a lot of fun. Uh, if folks want to find out more about you and, and what you do, where can they find you? Sure. Um, well, they can find me on my website, just michellerodesmedia.com, uh, michellerodesmedia.com. And there you'll find the different programs that I offer to consult with. Basically, it's either an entrepreneur or a nurse who wants to gather her knowledge and really just pour it into her own business. So his or her own business, excuse me. Then uh, that's an option for those organizations who want to develop entrepreneurs. Again, I follow the same concept of what I'm doing on the outside, bringing it to one designated person on the inside and teaching them about entrepreneurship, but on behalf of the hospital or organization so they can help not just save money, but then also uh, programs and projects to, to spring forth new ideas and new innovation, which leads to the innovation. So yeah, once we do that, we can get it into whatever their accelerator looks like or their incubator and bring that that innovation to light on behalf of the hospital. So they own it. I mean, now it's a whole other income stream. I didn't even talk about that. But the other side of entrepreneurship is now, okay, you've done this for the hospital. Sometimes that nurse can get a cut or a percentage for the idea if they have their contract set up correctly. Uh, but if not, the hospital benefits from it. And from there on out, they own this app, they own this technology, they become the thought leader in this area. Now, other hospitals look to them. And it's just a another snowball, but in a, in a positive way. So it's just amazing what can happen when we really set up the pieces correctly. And then lastly, of course, schools that are wanting to slowly, you know, early incorporate entrepreneurial thinking into the minds of nursing so they can either take either path, entrepreneurship or, or entrepreneurship and really improve outcomes for healthcare on the other side of it all, really, at the end of the day uh, with the new mindset. So I'm excited. I'm excited, too. Uh, I mean, this is the the beginning of the continuation from the 80s. <laughs> 
I'm going to find that book, I promise. (laughs) All right. And I'll list the book on the show notes for everybody who's wondering what it is. Uh, Thanks, Michelle, for joining. We had a great time. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Chris.